0: We're live and really excited to tune in to California, where we have Cameron Burgess joining us. How are you? Hi. <laughs> I'm well. I'm, I'm sunny and warm. <laughs> Which we are not. Here Which in. we are not here in the Nordics, for sure. Uh, also on the line is uh, my uh, co-host in crime, Ingrid Odegård. How are you doing in, in Oslo? Uh, very well, except from uh, snowing down and uh, doing a lot of shoveling yeah yeah that's that is a problem uh cameron how is the californian winter which you may talk about it for a brief uh, amount of time but not, <laughs> not don't rub it in please
1: california winters are very mild uh, i've been spending time up in portland a lot of time up in portland recently and
0: yeah. you
1: know coming coming south from portland Back to back to California the the difference in temperature but also primarily the difference in sunshine is is, is pretty astonishing my yep. my friends and colleagues who I stay with up in Portland take vitamin D um, because, <laughs> there's a, because because there's a period of time in Portland where there's you know you basically just overcast there's, there's clouds for months on end so uh, so yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, wobbly, yeah. yeah. Here, we, here we are talking about the weather yeah yeah let's jump
0: <laughs> let, let me let me just quickly introduce you properly there Cameron you're you're a serial entrepreneur uh, it seems to me you've started quite um quite some um, early ventures uh, focusing on different um uh, sort of different areas um, you have a massive background as a marketing specialist these days however it seems you're tearing down and restructuring social enterprises and you're speaking at social enterprises events uh, and you're doing impact investing so tell us um for those who don't know what what is a social enterprise maybe we can start there what is a social enterprise and how does it differ from other types of companies
1: sure so and and i'm and i'm not going to answer that question i'm going to answer a different question Um, (laughs) even better and and i'll tell you why. so so, so so i had an australian friend show up here and California recently in San Francisco and and his his request of me was to introduce him to social entrepreneurs uh, you know that are doing interesting things in San Francisco and I said you know the challenge with with responding to that question is that uh, most of the people that I know here are entrepreneurs but they don't identify as social entrepreneurs Um, they're entrepreneurs that are doing something good they may even be leaders of a nonprofit that's doing you know something good uh, but their but their approach is very entrepreneurial um and so the there's a there's a, a Vc firm uh, based out of san francisco called obvious ventures um, and they ter- uh, they called this term world positive uh, a few years back and mm. and i really like this term i i've, I've extended it from what uh, you know how they talk about it for them they're talking about world positive ventures so they're thinking about you know, uh, for-profit ventures that are investable through VC and, and they have this lens, but it's a catch-all. Yeah. Um, and the thing that I like about this idea of world positive is that is that it, it's a it's a nice big umbrella. Uh, you know, it it doesn't sort of say, well, you have to be focused on generating revenue, you have to be focused on generating profit, you have to be structured a certain way, you have to be funded a certain way, right? Like it avoids all of those considerations. Mm. Um and that matters to me because I've I've been really fortunate. I started working in the, the the make the world a better place space at the very beginning of my career, and it's where I've worked for my entire career. Mm. Uh, and and one of the big frustrations for me has been the ways in which uh, organisations, individuals, and organisations define themselves um, in ways that are limiting. Mm. and that create barriers to connecting um you know yeah, this yeah. idea of world positive To just to wrap that up this idea of world positive sort of suggests that that there are all of these people and all of these organizations that are using their skills resources and talents to make the world a better place and that's where we connect mm. and so whether we're a for-profit or a non-profit a social enterprise or an ngo or a you know development finance institute or red cross right like it, that all of those activities, even Mm. Girl Guides selling cookies, they all roll up into this this idea of using our skills, resources, and talents to make the world a better place. So I spend my time now talking about world positive uh, organizations um, because that is a lens that I can function within. And personally, I don't care if someone's for-profit, non-profit, a community-based project, whatever, it makes Mm. no difference to me.
0: Mm. Yeah, I actually catched you on uh... One, um, there was a YouTube clip where you were speaking at this um, event. I believe that was down in Australia. <clears throat> and you were talking uh-huh. about this and, and sort of highlighting the some of the um, fallacies or, or some uh, mistakes that some of these companies are doing uh, very early on. Right? Uh-huh. And then you were talking about values and how it's really... Um, and, and strategy and how it's really like if you if you really don't know what your strategy is is just stupid just to, to sort of start in the wrong end and and um, figure out which which legal entity you should be or legal company. So you you were talking about a mission and a vision and how important it is for for companies to actually figure this stuff out, um, which I found interesting. And um, so so is so is that. Is that something you do now? Like, are you are you consulting with companies and and these startups trying to figure out how they can better become a like a purpose driven um, company? Or
1: yeah, so I, I do a combination of things, and there there are two things particularly that I'm very passionate about. Um, the first is is working through the model of love, knowledge, and action, and 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 uh, there goes much deeper than that, mm. but. There's a th- this idea that that we need to have all three of those working in harmony in order for things to work, um, you know, that, that if we just focus on one right like uninformed loving action. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily get us where we're trying to go and unloving informed action doesn't get us where we want to go and action that is neither loving nor informed also doesn't get us where we're trying to go right like we need to have balance between these things yep. and 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 I, i've spent a lot of time in each one of those camps um you know i've done my own deep personal work i've done you know I, i've done a lot of intellectual work yeah um, and i've also been a front lines campaigner an activist. Mm. and activist and and in each of those camps i've sort of seen a preponderance of activity down one particular thread um, and so I think that when you're trying to make change happen in the world, and particularly when you're up against some very uh, entrenched interests, um, whether they're corporate interests or political interests or, or social interests, you know, that people are uh, generally attached to the status quo. Yeah. Um, really important that you can show up to, to, uh, to your work in a way that is very compassionate, extremely well-informed, and uh, and and totally focused on on action mm. um, because there are too many conversations, there are too many unsubstantiated sort of compassionate, empathetic statements, um, and there's too much, uh, you know, this this is a good idea, therefore we should do this, which works a lot in abstractions when you're actually trying to deal with saving people's lives or, or saving the environment. So you, mm. you have to be able to feel what you're doing. You have to be able to think intelligently about what you're doing, and you actually need to be doing something. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the work that I do with organizations, is, and particularly with founders is working through a, 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 a 12-step process with them that starts with values and really sort of gets clear about that's, who they are. That's um, super
0: interesting. So what would be the three biggest mistakes these, these companies uh, do? In, in your experience?
1: Uh, and how so, do you, how do you mean, fix one of, it? <laughs> yeah, one, one of the one of the first would be that, that they um, that the founders or the executive team don't know what their individual values are.
0: Mm.
1: So, so, so they've never actually clearly articulated for themselves or for each other what matters to them. Um, and so when that's not clear and that that governs everything right like values are the driver of human behavior so so if we're not clear about that and somebody comes in an employee or a consultant and says okay you're trying to achieve x take action y yeah um, and that will help you get there yeah but if that action is in some way incongruent with the values that these people have and they don't know that they'll agree to it intellectually but they'll block it Mm. they just won't go there because because it's, it's out of alignment with what they value. So, so I, I, it seems to me that, that that's one of the key things that there's, a, that there's, a, there's an absence of, of deep interrogation and self-awareness around who I am as a person mm-hmm. and what matters to me as a human being and actually writing that down so that you can share it with other people. Um, so that's, that's, that's the first mistake that I see that they make. Um, you know, a, a, a second big mistake uh, is uh, something that you alluded to earlier, which is defining a legal structure before you've even determined what your strategy is. Um, you know, you can be a nonprofit and you can make vast amounts of operational profit uh, and plow that back into your mission. Uh, in fact, that's what the you know, the RSPCA has done. Yeah, um, they're, they're a perfect example of that. Or Greenpeace, right? Greenpeace operates like a, 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 an international a social profit organization.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: you know, so so, but and equally, you can run a for-profit business and not make any profit, right? So so so, your legal form is is has to be responsive to the strategy that you have as mm. an organisation. Yeah. Um, and 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 the the assumptions that people make about well, we're doing something good, therefore we should be a non-profit, and people should just give us money and support us because we're doing something good. Uh, or or alternatively, there's a there's been a huge backlash against that, and so there's become this almost uh de facto standard now for people to say well that doesn't work (laughs) so therefore we should go and create something that's a for profit and treat people as customers and and go down that path but but equally there are there are marketplaces if you like where that kind of behavior is just is is is, uh morally repugnant right like to to be focusing on how you can create a market out of saving aids babies in africa is just wrong Hmm. Right. Like it's, it's, it's not the thing that you want to be focused on. And so so that's the second thing, yeah. focusing on legal before, before strategy. The, the third big mistake um, that, that I that I observe consistently across all countries, cultures and contexts is that there is often a, a sense of entitlement um, that comes with with people who have started or are working within organisations that are seeking to solve wicked problems. Um the the expectation that they should be supported because they're they're doing something good, the expectation that they should be uh, acknowledged or, or, or rewarded in some way mm. for, for doing something good. And, and one of the things that I often wind up saying when I'm delivering a, a, a keynote or, or in a workshop is that, like to me it's a it's an indication of how far we've sunk as human society, that we now expect to, to, to receive accolades and awards for behaving in the way that fundamentally decent human beings used to behave just a few generations ago. Yeah. So so that that sense of entitlement, which is intrinsic, it's not it's not saying that these are bad people, yeah. but it's definitely something that comes along with sort of saying, well, okay, like we're on this mission to save humanity from itself. We're on this mission to save the planet. This is really important, and, yeah. and it is. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like people. People aren't uh, the expectation that you should be rewarded or acknowledged just for doing good work um, is a mistake. And and it often leads to a real uh, poverty Hmm. within these organisations where they find it difficult to access the resources that they need because they're not thinking creatively and strategically enough um, about how they can Develop a business plan. Develop a revenue model. Like all of those things, uh, in order to 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 make their lives easier and to actually make their mission successful.
0: I've actually seen over the last the last year um, a lot of interest in the um, the uh, UN sustainability goals. There's a lot of talk about triple bottom line. Uh, a lot of startups are looking, or or at least in the entrepreneurship um, sort of sphere. There's there's a lot of companies now looking to solve problems that's that's sort of good for humanity so so is this something we can expect going into like um 18 and 19 and 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 the the next five years is is sustainability now you, you so that's the new sort of uh i don't know like uh, the, the, a new the, industry yeah the new industry or is it like if everything else fails pivot to sustainability <laughs> What do you, you think know, about
1: I, I that? You know, I think that there's a, um, there, is a, there is a growing awareness that, that the way that we're going about living through the human experiment isn't working, right? It's, mm. it's, it's clearly working for some very well, uh, but, o- but, but overall, it, it's not working, mm. right? We still have billions of people living in abject poverty, um, you know, don't even have access to the most basic Healthcare services, clean water, education—you know—and and 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 hundreds of millions of people without any form of legal identity. Mm. Um, so, so clearly, overall, it's 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 not working.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the the opportunity that the that the sustainable development goals represent is a is a very uh, coherent and also actionable way of describing the largest problems that are facing humanity as a whole. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and in association with this, uh, this, this, this awareness that it's not working, and this sort of growing awareness that it's not working, we also have a, an enormous groundswell of, of, of new generations. Who are who are coming into a world that is, in many ways, fundamentally different. Mm. Um, you know, they don't have the luxury. I'm, I'm I'm 46, right? So they don't have the luxury of having seen what I've seen. They don't have the luxury of seeing what my father, who's 80, has seen.
0: Mm. Um,
1: they're in their you know some. If you think about kids now, like some of them are, are growing up in a world where climate change is is an ever-present threat, and it's and it's not going away. Um, and so there is that there has been this this pretty significant shift in terms of social values, particularly in in, in younger generations yeah. who are inheriting a world that yeah. is in the state that it's in that they didn't actively shape. Yeah. And because it's the world that they're inheriting, they are very strongly motivated to do something about
0: it. Can, can you see this new sort of attitude um, for from where you're sitting in in Silicon Valley? Is this something you experience now talking to? You know the new generation or young younger generation is is this is this uh, you know a big focus area for them to solve these problems and to go into sustainability and create sort of new enterprises. Incre-
1: increasingly so. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think that there's that there are two two aspects to that. There's the values aspect of it, obviously, um, but also being being in Silicon Valley, there is also. That there's a much stronger idea about how one can use your intelligence and use technology, particularly mm. in order to solve big problems at scale. Um, and so if you go to a hackathon, you know, almost anywhere, in fact, in the world, you will often find that these hackathons are being, uh, focused on social or environmental mm. issues mm. Uh, be- because it's interesting. Right, like yep. it's we're, we're not we're not creating hackathons to figure out how we can create a Bluetooth-enabled, automatically heating coffee cup, <laughs> right? Which someone in Silicon Valley went and raised a crap ton of money for, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, in the, the younger generation, certainly in my observation and experience, seem to have this this dual focus. Right, they're obviously concerned about the state of the world and are using their their influence and their purchasing power uh and nascent political power in order to 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 have that influence but they're also thinking about their future generally as a as a you know as a citizen as somebody who wants to do the things they want to do in the world which means making money yeah um and finding ways to blend those two things together Mm. in order to create purposeful ventures whether they're for profit or non-profit that help to address the state of the world that are congruent with their values and also help them to make a living. Yeah.
0: So, Cameron, you've actually been part of writing a concept note about this topic called uh, how or from billions to trillions and that's right. who are interested in learning more can download it from your website, CameronBurgess.com. But do you want to give us a very very short version? Uh, yeah, and, sure. And tell us a bit about what you hope to achieve with it.
1: So the so so the the concept paper is 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 re- is recognizing that there is a problem um, and a significant one. the the sdgs represent the single most coherent view of wicked problems facing humanity Um, and there's an estimated 50 trillion dollar gap between the money that is currently being deployed towards solving the sdgs and the amount of money required to solve the sdgs Mm. Um, and we're not operating in a vacuum right so 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 those numbers are kind of constantly in flux, and the longer that it takes us to address some things, the, the bigger the problem becomes. But that's that's the estimated gap. That's a big gap. Mm. Um, and so so upon analysis, uh, I and my co-authors uh, believe that, that it's an addressable gap. Uh, $50 trillion is 5% of global capital flow. The money is in the world, right? Um, the challenge is that the money that's in the world uh, is not investing in these solutions um, uh, because it's not safe, right? So we don't have tradable equities, for instance, like we do in, in, in other markets. Um, and, and, but, but beyond that, and I think that a big part of what we're trying to address with this paper is to say that no individual organized, no individual and no individual organization can solve any one of these problems in isolation. And yet the the, the the default modus operandi for these organizations that are trying to address in some part these problems mm. is to focus on their success as an organization rather than to figure out how they can collectively work together in order to solve a much, much bigger problem. Mm. And the, the white paper makes the point that just expecting people to change their behavior is, is ridiculous yeah. right like there, there has to be an incentive for for doing that and so a, a key part of what we're describing in in uh, in, in billions to trillions is is a, a mechanism of outcome-based funding where funders fund on the basis of success rather than on the basis of effort hmm. um, so you know if we if we posit some wicked problem that's a billion considered to be a billion dollar problem uh what does it look like for for a funder or a group of funders to put that money up and say we will disperse a billion dollars if this problem is solved hmm. it, it changes the nature of the game yeah. right because because then that incentivizes a certain group of organizations who believe in the resolution of the problem um And are financially incentivized to solve it, to collaborate in order to solve that problem. And so the the, the, the incentive is money. Um, The mechanisms are deep collaboration. And that requires a moving past one's individual organizational focus, but not ignoring it or abandoning it. Um, and so that's that's the core of what we're talking about in this concept paper.
0: That's, that's super interesting. So um, i've I've been <clears throat> I've been sort of uh, looking into the whole space of impact investing the the last uh, the last year actually. I, I'm working as a as a technology scout on on behalf of uh, something called the Catapult Accelerator in Oslo. I don't know if Cameron, if you've heard about the catapult Accelerator, but they're looking for startups who's actively trying to uh, do social good using, exponential growing technologies um, and, and this this is interesting because you, you touched on a point there which has to do with um, how, how do we and you mentioned it earlier how, how do we give uh, papers to people who has no form of, of ID or passports uh, how do we how, how do we collaborate on a, on a massive scale on, on these like you say wicked problems and when you say wicked problems I, I, I'm assuming you mean, you know, big problems that, you know, clean water, uh, poverty, uh, stuff like that. Yes. Um, So one of the technologies I've been sort of really been interested in in in, um, the last couple of months is is blockchain. So there's, you know, there's lots of uh, companies now looking to use this technology um, to solve um, and to organize, uh, you know, massive amounts of work um, because we can do that now because we have this, chain of trust um, that we can employ and or deploy into these massive problems. What are some of the wh- uh, what are some of the technologies you've been sort of exposed to or been been made aware of over the last couple of months that you know has you hopeful that we can perhaps we can we can organize in in much better ways than we have before?
1: so, 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 there, there, so there are two as two, two components to answering that question um the first just to very quickly touch on the question of identity because it relates to distributed ledgering technologies Mm. like blockchain is that is that uh most technologies that are being created in order to serve uh the residents of the or citizens of the global south are unintentionally designed in such a way that those very people can't interact with them so so we have this like one-way flow of data and capital that runs from the top, whatever the top is, all the way down to the human individual on the ground. Um, and, and that's where it stops. And maybe there's a little bit of feedback that gets captured, but mostly it's a, you know, it's a huge flow downhill. Yeah. Um, and, the, and that's a design problem, right? So so the if you don't design with that human individual at the center of your design process. You don't think about how to solve the question of identity. Um, if you design with them at the center of the design process and recognize that they, through their actions, create value in the resolution of these problems and can and should be appropriately uh, acknowledged and compensated for the value that they create, mm. then you have to solve the question of identity. right? Um, so, so if I'm, a, if I'm a, a foreign aid program, as an example, and I'm coming in and I'm dropping money in and I'm deploying practitioners on the ground and doing all this amazing work, but I don't have a way to, to recognize the feedback or to, to capture feedback um, and to, to compensate people for, let's say, you know, bringing a child five miles through the heat to get immunized. Uh, and and actually, that's a that's a that's a perfect example and, and speaks actually directly to this process. Right. So so a mother who brings her child five miles through the heat to get immunized, if that happens at scale, the, the impacts of that of, are significant. Mm. Right. Yeah. Kids don't get sick. Mum and dad go to work. Mum and dad make more money. Mm. Kids go to school. Kids get educated. The economy of that country mm. goes up. Mm significantly but there's but there is no adequate uh, appreciation for the effort that that woman goes to with her children other than the belief that she is going to in some way indirectly benefit other than you know from obviously keeping her child alive yeah from the from from the upside that this represents in an economy but if she doesn't do that and if millions of women like her don't do that nothing changes And so when you think about that from a design perspective you go well she must have a digital identity that matters and there must be a way to recognize the value that she that she provides by taking this very small step at the very beginning of a process um, as to how she should be rewarded for having taken that step because Mm -hmm. when you think about the way that an investor invests in a company if you're an early stage investor in a company you wind up getting a big chunk of a company for not a whole amount of money, and as the company becomes bigger and more profitable, if you want to buy in as a new investor or you're buying in down the chain, that amount of money is worth significantly less. Hmm. So why don't we treat the actions of these people uh, in the same way? Um, so, so the so, so that that was sort of speaking to identity, but specifically to yeah. bring it back to, to, to blockchain. So. Hmm. So we talk about distributed ledgering technologies um, and where we are not uh, currently working with anything on blockchain. Blockchain has some very serious design constraints um, in this context. And, and, And the primary ones are that for blockchain to work, if you're trying to, well, for blockchain to work, you require consistent access to power and consistent access to reliable communications infrastructure. If you don't have those things and, hundreds of thousands of communities in the global south don't have those things. How can you develop a solution that serves them that they can interact Mm. with? And the short answer is you can't. Um, Further, at scale, blockchain becomes very resource intensive. Um, And so if you start to think about you know, how do you connect a multiplicity of players, hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people yeah. in the resolution of wicked problems, you could wind up burning an enormous amount of, of power and resources just to, to to run that through blockchain. So, so we're working with a team uh, called Holochain. Um, and the team at Holochain have, have, the easiest way to talk about it is to say that they've created an N-dimensional blockchain, a holographic blockchain. Um, so that so that we can uh, facilitate many to many connections at enormous scale with a fraction of the resource constraints and also to do it in in conjunction with uh, the uh, a hardware solution that they've created that enables mesh networks mm. um, so that you can then create an application for a local community you can deploy it in the local community they can host it, partly obviously in the local community Um, uh, and then be derive value from hosting that application in their community so Mm -hmm. so if you have a large number of organizations that need to use that application in order to interact with the community the community itself profits from them using the system that's hosted within their community Um, which makes a lot more a lot more sense to us um, and so that's the that's the path that we're going. On. that's the thing that really, really excites me about about, you know, everything that we're looking at in terms of technology, generally, you know, we're viewing this work that we're doing. And as we describe it in billions of trillions as plumbing. I, we, we see the problem not as being that we have to come up with some crazy new technology, but what we need to do is get the platforms and frameworks and systems that have been built so in some cases deliberately and in some cases just because you know that's the 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 hangover way in which people have been doing it for so long have been created in isolation to actually get them to work synergistically Um, and that's possible with all existing technologies now
0: interesting um (laughs) what what really um Uh, dawns on me when we when we speak is uh, you you really don't have have anything close to a nine-to-five job Um, (laughs) and uh, and uh, and uh, you know we started this podcast uh, well I mean we've sort of gone in different directions but it was sort of started as because we were really curious to know individuals who's who's living unnormal lives right who's who's doing things that uh, you know most people aren't doing um, but it seems seems to me like you've always had this lifestyle so have you ever had like a just a normal thing where you went to work and did your thing and went back or have I've this... not had a job since I
1: was 18 yeah
0: yeah that that was so... my that was that was <laughs> what I gathered from from looking at your uh, your LinkedIn profile
1: yeah I mean I think that there's a um uh it's funny, you know, like my, my nephew, my eldest nephew is, is, uh, is 17 and he, um, he, he, I was back in Australia recently and he was sort of saying, oh, you know, I, I look at what you do and I think it's awesome and I want to be like you, you know, and I, and I sat to sit down and was like, okay, look, like, what you get to see is the postcard of my life. You yeah. get to see the Instagram version of my life, right? <laughs> um, if you talk to anybody who lives and works the way that I do, it comes with, uh, extreme discomfort at times. Yeah, um, and, and you have to have a capacity for 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 coping with uh, unpredictability at a pretty significant scale. Mm. Um, you know, income comes in peaks and troughs. Uh, you know, and and when you when you work for yourself, essentially, you know, even if you have a company that you own, you're still working for yourself. Yeah. Um, the, the business development work kind of never really stops, right? You're always looking for, for, for more business. Mm. Um, but, but, I, but I chose this, right? This was deliberate. Um, I, I wanted to have the freedom and the flexibility to go anywhere in the world, to work with anyone who was doing anything interesting, mm. to be able to stay wherever it was that I had been flown to for as long as I felt to stay there, um, and to, you know, to permit me to, to really travel the world, meet interesting people, do interesting things but never be in a situation where I where I couldn't make any money um, and so now at the, at the age that I am or with the experience that I have I'm one of the most experienced most flexible consultants um, at my age because I don't have kids and I don't have a mortgage and I'm not married and I can literally get on a plane tomorrow and fly anywhere in the world and stay there for as long as it is that I need to stay there and typically you don't get somebody my age with my experience, who can do that. You Mm. will typically get younger people. Mm. Um, But there is this whole like really interesting, you know, digital nomads are what they are um, uh, and and are typically sort of defined in ways that are normally about younger people. Um, But there is increasingly a a group and a a growing group of very experienced professionals Mm. who choose not to be grounded in any particular place and just bounce
0: around like I do. And, and what brought you to San Francisco? I mean, um, obviously, it's, it's a hot spot for many number uh, of industries and, and companies, but was there any particular reason why, why you ended up in, in California?
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, so, so San Francisco itself is a really fascinating place. Um, there's, there's a huge amount of money here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a lot of very smart money. There's also a lot of very dumb money here. <laughs> um, uh, there is uh, um, obviously the, the technologies that we use to communicate uh, with the world at large are mostly founded and, and, and run from here. Um, so that's also very interesting. The human potential movement started just south of here uh, uh, at at Esalen Um, and so there's a there's a really big influence of sort of transpersonal psychology um, and and that work which grew, which has grown up here Um, and increasingly we're starting to see. Uh, novelty around uh, economic systems and ideas around economics, with you know basic income experiments and and these sorts of things, mm. and then and then also uh, Burning Man is also has its headquarters in 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 San Francisco, and there's no denying the cultural influence that 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 Burning Man has, you know, upon this area as well. And so there's
0: this. Ha- have you been to one?
1: No. No, I've not. Every t- every time I've <laughs> I've gone to go, something's come up, and it's usually been okay. Do I go there, or do I go and speak at a conference in Morocco? <laughs> do I go here, or do I go and help this this young medical entrepreneur who's who's figured out a way to test for pancreatic cancer? Right, like it's yeah. For me, yeah. I've, I've I've been wanting to go, but every time something's come <laughs> up, and it's just been, okay. Well, I'm not going now. I'm going to go do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. No, not been yet, but but have have an intention to go at at some point. Yeah. Um, you you
0: the, and me both. The
1: business of doing good doesn't interfere
0: with going and doing that. <laughs> but I can see it's it's if you have a, a sort of a, a gig or some kind of a consultancy um, assignment uh, when it when it overlaps with with this uh, with this event, I could see that that that's a problem. <laughs> right. Well, you, you wind up making
1: a choice, right? Yeah. And it's, it's uh, um, I mean, for me, uh, and I had this conversation with a, with a friend many years ago who was like, you know, would you rather have the money or would you rather have the influence? And I was like, I'd rather have the influence. Yeah. But I, the, I would rather be doing work that I feel good about um, and contributing my time to 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 shaping a better world yep. um than I would if I had to make a choice, which in these instances I have, yep. um, than going and having that experience, which is which is no doubt a completely different and highly valuable experience. Um but up until now I've been favoring my work. For,
0: for those who uh, so. for those who don't know what Brain Man is, can you can you sort of pitch that in 15 seconds? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to do a really crappy job of fixing it because because I've never been and also I have some perceptions about it. But, um, I mean, it's it's a – they build an independent, autonomous city. Hmm. And I think last year it was 70,000 people in the middle of the desert. They arrive, they construct, they go away. Uh, So Burning Man runs uh, for about – seven to ten days i believe yeah. there's a whole pre-build period there's a breakdown period yeah. and when they leave they literally leave no trace um and so it's considered by many to be a, a model for for a, a, certainly a more interesting way of interacting as a human society There's 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 no money I think you can spend money maybe on ice and that's and water and that's probably and coffee, about it. And coffee, I think,
0: yeah. And 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 coffee. Um,
1: but there's a full blown <laughs> medical facility. There's an uh, there's a, an airstrip nearby. Mm. Um, I mean, it's it's a fully constructed city and it runs on uh, on a gift economy. Um, and so, but but also there are artworks at epic scale, mm. um, the kinds of things that you could only really do in in the desert. Yeah. Um, and okay. so, for all of my friends who, who've been, and, and most of my friends have been, that you know, for them, it's it's one of the the highlight cultural experiences of their life um, because it's just such a broad array of people living in a truly inhospitable environment, hmm. interacting uh, in a non-transactional way, um, and and permitting themselves to be as fully expressed yeah. as they know to be in that environment. And I, I think that we could all agree that all of those things would be beneficial attributes, um, to, to, to bring into a sort of everyday, or as they say, def- into the default world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I have a standing, um, promise to a friend that I would, um, attend this year. Um, depends what? on me getting a ticket, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm definitely excited uh, to see if I can get my hands on a ticket, and then I will be there. So if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there. (laughs) Cool. Uh, I Can't make a hundred (laughs) percent (laughs) promise. So, um, uh, Cameron, tell me what uh, what what's been some of the Mm -hmm. coolest things you've been working on the the last couple of months, except for the um, for the paper, except for the white,
1: except for the concept paper. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, there's been some related work uh, to that, uh, which is which is being which is taking those concepts and grounding them in a prototype. Um, So we're actually working on a prototype of those concepts for SCG six, which is water, sanitation and hygiene. Mm. Um, And that's super interesting. uh, Because it involves, you know, new financial instruments and new forms of metrics and, uh, and, and actually going through the process of, of driving uh, collaboration and co-funding and, yeah. and these sorts of things. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's interesting. Um uh you know a project that I that I worked on a little while ago actually I was a I was the, the board president was a was a non-profit based out of Tunisia uh, called the I,
0: I read about that. That was that was super cool. Yeah, and so those program. guys
1: are, are doing. I mean, the the premise is that that civil society flourishes in uh, the presence of uh, of civil discourse, and that um, there are many uh, countries in the Arab world and many areas of the Arab world mm. uh, where where civil society is closed or, or or closing, or certainly not as open as as it is here, um, and yet there is a, a rich and storied history of debate in the arab world um and it's a it's a it's a recognized form of communication and so uh bela who founded them another initiative uh he um his observation was that what was required was a a, a way in which uh debate could be stimulated and surfaced around topics of interest to, to arab speaking peoples yeah um, so he's uh, uh, Algerian born uh, German raised uh, but but you know deeply connected to, to the region mm. um, And so so he created a, a an online debate platform the, mm. the idea being that a debate topic would be posited that you had uh, 99 seconds to to articulate your response to the debate topic for or against mm. um, and whoever rose to the top uh, on either side would go to a live televised debate, on Al Jazeera. Mm. Uh, uh, now I, I believe that they have a, a, another uh, another broadcasting partner. But, but regardless, that that was the idea, and that and those those two people who were who were typically youth because it was aimed at youth would be supported by a subject matter expert as well. So mm. you have two young people and two experts for and against having this live debate around some pretty tricky topics um, on television. Yeah, uh, and and. Uh, this stimulated a very high, and continues to stimulate a very high degree of civil discourse, um, and is providing, uh, particularly young people in the region, with an opportunity to yeah. to uh, learn how to shape their thoughts, right? Learn people <laughs> thinking skills. Yeah. Learn how to how to uh, to to reason uh, verbally. Yeah. Um, and, and really uh, helping a new generation of leaders in the Arab world to flourish. So, I imagine um, there was
0: some challenges with that project, seeing it's it's in a, you know, it's a different culture, it's a different part of the world. What what were some of the challenges with with um, you know being a strategic advisor for, for a company like that?
1: Uh, not as many as you might think, okay. um, <laughs> I mean, because because you know everything's a requirement. Right? And yep. so, so when, you, when you're trying to design a solution to a problem, uh, your job is to figure out what all the requirements are. Yep. And so, you know, there were definitely some tricky things that, that, that occurred um, where, uh, you know, a, a ministry, for instance, would withhold approval to mm. run a, a live televised debate until the 11th hour, mm-hmm. and in some cases not approve it. Um, uh, I think that only once have they ever had to cancel um, one of their one of their debates.
0: Okay.
1: Um, but that but that you know, as you can imagine, like creates a pretty high degree of operational stress.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, as you've got people in country running backwards and forwards and having meetings and trying to get approvals. And, you know, I mean, this this type of these types of conversations are, are, yeah. are potentially inflammatory, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so they're, they're very much running the, 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 the seeking to sort of run along a razor's edge, right, and make sure that they're both achieving their mission. But also not doing it in a way which is upsetting, so upsetting to the powers of the bee that they they try to close them down. Sure. Um, you know, the, I think that the the other thing, I mean, what something that was very eye opening to me in spending time uh, in in Jordan uh, with a group of youth that had come from all over the Arab world, yeah. um, was was the recognition of how. Uh, how well resourced they are as human beings,
0: Mm. you
1: know, like every single one of them had a story of, of that, that, that that your average Westerner would just find truly horrific. Mm. Um, You know, brothers being taken away in the middle of the night, villages being bombed, right? Like stories of torture and rape and all of these things. I I mean, and yet they were so together, Mm. The, the the context that they were living in had not taken away from their delight of being sure. alive or any of those things, okay. but it had it had it had given rise to a resolve to go and do something about it. And yeah. it's I don't know if you've been tracking what's been happening in the US with this recent mass shooting in Florida. Um, but it's kind of, it was in some regards the dynamics are similar. Yeah. Right? Like a group of young people who've experienced great suffering And who rather than being beaten down by it and sort of being told that or determining that they need therapy um their therapy is to go out into the world and try to change the world yeah um and that i mean that kind of action is so inspiring
0: i mean we've seen this um multiple times over the last you know decade but it finally seems to me that there's some momentum growing now with within the young population wanting to see a change and really stepping up to do uh, to do what's necessary hey um um i see that we've lost um ingrid Uh, i think she ran out of battery Uh, i think we could probably go on for hours Uh, cameron really interesting talking to you um i would really like uh, like i said to to hook up with if uh if you're ready for a cup of coffee in in the beginning of april when I can join you in the in the lovely uh, California winter, uh, <laughs> love to hear more about your projects. Uh, thank you so much for uh, doing this, and um, have a great week.
1: Thanks, Marcus. Yeah. You too, and I look forward to seeing you in person in California soon.